We're in Matthew chapter 13 this morning. If you'd like to turn there in your Bibles, you'd be helped to follow along. Matthew chapter 13. We are studying the kingdom parables these days. And we're going to just do one verse today. And there might be a part one and a part two of that. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Son. Thank you that you have given him to us. Thank you for his words. Thank you for recording his words for us. Lord, thank you that he is the King. And thank you for this amazing parable of of the kingdom of heaven. Father, we we ask that you would work in our hearts such that we have uh, right desires and feelings appropriate for this passage and that we would take appropriate action as we study this parable. We ask, O Lord, that you would work in our hearts, that we would grow in our love and affection and desire and delight in Jesus Christ, that we would hope in you, Father, as never before, that we would hope in God. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to be with us. We invite you to teach us. We invite you to convict us. We invite you to move our wills to action. We invite you to warm our hearts for deep love and affection for Jesus Christ. Lord, we invite you to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment where we need conviction. And so, God, come and lead us and help us hear from you, we pray. Change us forever, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. As I said, we're studying the parables that Jesus told about the kingdom of heaven, and today we come to a parable about the value or the worth of the kingdom of heaven. And I I commented that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of our Father, the kingdom of the Son of Man is all the, the same kingdom. And in this parable, we, we see that uh, the kingdom of heaven is, is, is like treasure uh, that when you find it, then in your joy, in your joy, you're willing to sacrifice everything else on earth to have it. In your joy. In your joy. Not in your drudgery. Not in your, I got to do this. I guess I got to do this. I guess I got to do my duty. No. (laughs) In your joy. In your joy. From your joy. From joy. From the joy in your heart. You sell everything. I mean, just think about that. I mean, what, what, what would have to happen for you to want something so badly that you would sell everything to get it? Leave everything to get it. Even, I'd say, leave husband and wife and children and, and relationships. 
that are most precious to you. Leave everything to have this. I mean, what is so valuable that you would do that? Not in your tears. Not, not in your, your I'm going to do my duty. This is hard, but i got to do my duty. No, but in your joy. <laughs> like, I can't wait to get rid of it all so I can have this. In, in your joy, you would give up everything to have this. This is what this, this parable is, is challenging us with. And just some introductory comments. Uh, the, the point of this parable is not that you can buy the kingdom. So uh, I want to make that clear from the beginning. Uh, the, the point of this parable is not that you can buy the kingdom. We, we, we see uh, very uh, strong condemnations come in the New Testament for people who thought they could buy things with money, say, like the Holy Spirit or the ability to cast out demons. I mean, that's bad. You, you can't buy your way into the kingdom of heaven. That's not the, the point of this, this parable. And yet, it, it is how most people think about getting into the kingdom of heaven. How do I know that? Because I ask people the gospel question and find out they think they can buy the kingdom of heaven. How many of you know the gospel question? The gospel question is a very great way to evangelize. I commend it to you. And, and, and it's a theoretical question. God is not going to ask this question, but it's a good way to get at what people are really hoping in. And the question is this. Uh, if you died tonight... And you stood before God Almighty and He asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? I wonder if you answer that in your mind right now, what would you say? If you died and stood before God and He said, Steve, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? How would you answer that question? Just think about it for a moment. So many people that I ask that question say something to the effect that, that, that equals they can buy their way there with their good deeds. Well, I've been a good person, so God will let me in. I go to church, so God will let me in. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm a pastor. I'm a deacon. Uh, I, I've been baptized. Uh, I do this. I do that. I, I'm a good person. I was talking to a lady, a young lady, working up at, at Broad and Olney, uh, Chanel and, and ask her this question and, you know, in effect, you know, I, I go to church. I, I, I do good. You know, sometimes we compare ourselves to others. I'm not as bad as that person I saw on TV. Those are all answers that if that's what you're believing in your heart, they lead straight to hell. They lead straight to hell. The, the, the correct answer, the biblical answer, and you can know the right answer, right, and still not know the king. You can know this answer and still not know him. But you have to know the answer to know him. So that's why we go over this. What, what is the right answer? The, the, the right answer is, I don't deserve to go to heaven. I deserve hell. I deserve judgment. I deserve God's wrath. I have cheated, lied, stolen. I've committed adultery. I've looked with woman and lusted. That's adultery in my heart. I've lost my temper, which is heart murder. Think of the sins you've committed. We, we, we've all sinned. The Bible teaches all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and because God is good and righteous and holy, all we deserve is hell. So Lord, that's what I deserve. 
I don't deserve to go to your heaven because I've not done enough and I'm not good enough. I'm a sinner and sinners deserve judgment. And beloved, I would just encourage you in your evangelism, you have to make that point clear to people. There are people going around today saying rubbish. Oh, people don't need to know they're sinners today. They just need to know that they're loved and accepted. I'm going to stick with Jesus. I'm going to stick with the Bible. And the Bible says people need to know they're sinners. They need to realize, I trust me, people have a high self-esteem in this world. <laughs> they need to be shown they're sinners. They need to be shown they've broken God's commandments. They need to be shown they've broken God's laws. And friends, we've all done that. We've all sinned against the holy and righteous God. And God is, is good and, and holy and he, he hates sin. And His hatred burns towards sinners. And so we deserve hell for our sin. But the good news of the gospel is that God did something to save us from His own wrath. The good news of the gospel is God loves sinners. And so He sent His Son Jesus, the God-man, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who has obeyed, the only one who has perfectly obeyed all of God's commandments. And so Jesus comes into the world for God so loved the world. He loved this rebellious, sin-sick world that He sent His only begotten Son. He gave the greatest gift He could ever give. He gave His Son Jesus who came into the world and lived and loved and served and raised the dead and made blind people see and, and was was reversing the curse that Adam messed up the first Adam the second Adam comes to fix what he messed up and so Jesus comes and and lives a perfect life the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world and and then he dies on the cross where he took upon himself the sins of the world he, he took upon himself my sins and if you're a believer your sins he was crushed by the wrath of God. The, the, the hell of God fell on him. The hell that I deserve fell on him. And he, he died. And he was buried. But unlike Buddha, and unlike Muhammad, and unlike Confucius, and unlike whatever hero you got, Jesus rose up from the dead on the third day. Jesus conquered sin. Jesus conquered death. Jesus conquered hell. And, and He stands ready to save everyone who will repent and believe in Him. You can't buy it. You can't buy this. You can't earn this. You can simply receive it by faith alone in Christ alone. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And so Jesus and His life, death, and resurrection, He's my only hope to go to heaven. That's the gospel. That's the gospel you must know and believe in order to be saved. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. To him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. John Piper comments on this point. The point here in this parable is not that you can buy the kingdom or barter for the kingdom or negotiate for the kingdom. The kingdom of God is received without pay, like a poor child, not a rich businessman. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not inherit it. What can a child do? All they can do is cry and hope. They, they, they must be totally dependent upon God. That's how you receive the kingdom. Fall back into the arms of Jesus. You receive without pay Give without pay, Matthew 10, 8. 
The kind of buying spoken of in this parable is the kind of buying mentioned in Isaiah 55.1. Remember that passage, Isaiah 55.1? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, we don't have any money in the spiritual bank. We're dead. We are dead in trespasses and sins. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Buy without money. Buy without money. The, the buying here is, 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 is begging for mercy because you don't have any money. Come and buy without money. Come buy wine, milk without money and without price. Come to Christ. Look unto Christ and be saved all the ends of the earth. Look unto Him and be saved. Beloved, this is the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel. The point of this parable is not that you can buy the kingdom, but that you can simply receive the kingdom by faith alone, in Christ alone. Have you done that? Have you done that today? Friend, if you're here this morning, you're not a believer, I just urge you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I, I was... I was thinking about the Titanic this weekend. Y'all remember the Titanic? That big old ship that they said was unsinkable? And then it hit an iceberg and sunk. And so many people died. There, there was a man on the Titanic named John Harper. And, and he was an evangelist. He was a pastor. He was a street preacher and then a pastor. And God, he'd seen much fruit in his life. And, and he was on the Titanic and, you know, once it, it struck the iceberg and they knew there were many were going to die, he was going from person to person. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And, and eventually he ended up in the water, uh, bobbing up and down in that ice cold water in the North Atlantic trying to survive. And there was another man uh, uh, floating on debris trying to stay alive. And John Harper came up to this guy and it cried out, man, are you saved? And the man said, no. And John Harper said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And they bob around a few more minutes. Are you saved yet? No. John Harper cried out, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And John Harper sunk to the bottom and died. But that man in those icy waters trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he lived to share that story at a prayer meeting in Canada, Ontario. And that's how we know of John Harper's last convert. Friend, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And, and believers here, I mean, be encouraged by the power of the Word of God. Be, be encouraged by the power of the Word of God. Use the Word. You don't have to convince people of the truth of the Bible. Just use it. Like my seminary president said, if you have a 12-gauge shot-off double-barrel shotgun and a robber comes into your house, you don't try to explain how, how deadly this weapon is. You just pull the trigger and it does its job. Friend, the Word of God is the same way. You don't have to prove to people how potent, real, powerful, life-changing it is. Just open your mouth and speak it. Well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, just listen to this. I don't believe in God. Well, just listen to this. We, we, we meet Muslims at ShopRite. I'm a Muslim. We love to give the gospel to Muslims, especially to you. And speak, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Parents, take, have your children memorize the Bible. Store it up in their hearts. It's the power of God in the Word of God by the Spirit of God. The kingdom can't be bought. It's given freely. 
through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about this parable proper? What about this, this parable? Uh, uh, it, 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 it may sound odd to us that, that you would find treasure covered up and hidden in a field. But uh, remember, in that day, they didn't have banks. They didn't have safety deposit boxes. They, they had to do uh, certain things, take certain measures to protect those things which were valuable to them. And so someone has had this valuable treasure and they've, they've dug a, 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 a hole and they've put the treasure in, in the hole in the field to hide it so that it's safe. That's how they would keep their valuables safe in that time. David Platt comments, the story of the man who finds a treasure in a field may sound strange to our ears, but remember that Jesus is telling this parable in a day when treasure could not be stored in a safety deposit box or a well-protected bank. Instead, people would simply bury their greatest possessions in a remote place. And so that seems to be the situation in Matthew 13, 44. Someone had treasure, they wanted to protect it, it's valuable. They, they hid it in a field. And the point of this parable is very simple. Shailen comments, the kingdom of heaven is so valuable that it's worth sacrificing anything to get. Now, I tweaked his definition a little bit with one word. The kingdom of heaven is so valuable that it's worth joyfully sacrificing anything to get. You see the difference there? I mean, there there's a difference in, in I've got to make this great sacrifice and we want people to know I've sacrificed so much. Look at how hard my life is. It's so hard. It's such a hard thing to make this sacrifice. Oh, woe is me, but I did it. That's not what this parable is talking about. This, this, this parable is the kingdom of heaven is so valuable that it's worth joyfully sacrificing everything to get it. Like, yes, sell it all. I want this more. It's not, it's not hard. It's a wedding day. It's an engagement day. It's, it's jump for joy day, happy, sell everything to get this because this is so great. This Jesus is so great. This kingdom is so great. This being with, with God Almighty is so great. It's, it's, in a sense, it's not a sacrifice. Like David Livingston said about his sacrificial life of missionary endeavor in Africa, I never made a sacrifice because what he got is so great. John Piper put it this way, the kingdom of heaven is so valuable that losing everything on earth but getting the kingdom is a happy trade-off. Having the omnipotent, saving reign of Christ in our lives is so valuable that if we lose everything in order to have it, it is a joyful sacrifice. A joyful sacrifice. And, and Piper, Piper, as he, you might expect him to, focuses in on those words in his joy. He says, everything I've written is from those words, from joy. From joy he sells everything. In his joy he sells everything. Because God cares about our heart. He doesn't want vain worship where we mouth the words. 
<laughs> Where we, uh, our father who oh wake me up I'm about to fall asleep. No, he wants our heart. It's vain to worship God with our lips and our hearts be far from God. He he wants joy, joy like your wedding day. Like your engagement day, like your birth of your firstborn child, joy in God. Anything less than that is sin that needs to be confessed. I have to confess sin a lot because I don't feel like I should feel toward God. We're so much more sinful than we think we are because we don't feel for God as we should all the time, 24-7, seven days a week. Oh, pastor, you're putting a burden on me I can't, I can't bear. No, you're a sinner and you need to repent and trust Jesus and rejoice in your salvation. <laughs> you need to see more of how much of a sinner you are and realize how much Jesus has forgiven you, which you didn't think he did, and see that you're a great sinner and he's a great savior and you love Jesus all the more. I often don't have the kind of feelings and desires and joy in God that I should. And I should repent. And confess it as sin and, 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 and rejoice in my Savior who forgives me and grants me joy in Him. If I told you that if you sell everything you own this afternoon, I will give you a hundred trillion dollars. Are y'all ever like me and you, you, you think about what you would do if you had a hundred trillion dollars? A hundred trillion, not million, not billion, hundred trillion. Woo! What if I promised you I would give you a hundred trillion dollars this afternoon to replace, replace if you sell everything you had? Y'all be leaving right now. Get on eBay. Start putting that stuff up for sale. Have a garage sale now. If I promised you if you sold everything you own this afternoon, I'll give you a hundred trillion dollars to replace it and I'll give everything you own back but brand new and better and I'll also give back every special keepsake or sentimental belonging and you'll cherish it even more. If I promised you that, would you go and sell everything this afternoon? Yes! With joy and not as a, oh, I've got to make this sacrifice. I've got to go sell. My hundred dollar cane or whatever it is. No, you would happily go. Happily sell everything. That, that's the, the point of this, of this parable. That Jesus is worth it. That the kingdom is worth it. Uh, Jim Elliot, one of the five missionaries who was speared to death as he was trying to reach the Waldani Indians in Ecuador said this famous sentence, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot gain to keep what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's the point of this parable. This parable is sort of saying to us, don't be foolish. There are no hearses, right, following, no U-Hauls following hearses, right? Somebody said that. You, you can't keep any of this stuff anyway. You can't even keep your family. We all going to die. There's no marriage in heaven. Except to Jesus. Perfect spouse. 
None of this you can keep. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Christ, the kingdom, everlasting life. I loved how Ligon Duncan summarized this, this parable. The kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field and a certain man unexpectedly comes upon it while he's digging and he sells everything he has in order to buy it. Jesus in this parable indicates that the treasure is hidden to many. Notice that. (laughs) The treasure is hidden to many. Not all will see the value of the kingdom of heaven. Not even all those in Israel will see the value of the kingdom of heaven. Notice three aspects to the story. (laughs) First of all, the treasure is hidden. The treasure is hidden. Did you notice that? The treasure is hidden. It is not openly displayed for all. Not all see the value of the treasure. Not all see the value of the treasure. (laughs) This, This is an important point. Because some of you here today are like, this guy's crazy. I mean, uh... It's just not that great. I, you, you even hear people say, I tried Christ. I tried Christianity and it didn't do anything for me. People who say that did not meet him. <laughs> people who say that have not met Jesus, right? Many, many people don't see this. They don't feel this. I mean, that was me for 18 years. I grew up in churches. In church, it was boring. I just couldn't wait to go watch football because that was my treasure. I couldn't wait to go do what I really enjoyed. Until God saved me, right? And then I really began to enjoy God. But, but it's, hidden from, it's hidden from you if you're not born again. If you're not born again, you don't get this. God is boring to you. God is dead to you. The Bible doesn't make sense to you. Prayer is boring. Preaching is boring. Please, it's hot. Can we just go? It's hidden. The treasure is hidden from you. You're dead in trespasses and sins and, and something miraculous has to happen. God's Spirit has to come and open your eyes. Take the blinders off because you're, 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 you're like a blind man. Who, who, who's, who's, who's groping around a, 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 a transfer trailer that's filled with a hundred trillion dollars, but you just think it's paper money, worthless, boring, because you're blind and can't see. And so you have this, this 10 trillion before you, but you don't want it. You, you don't think it's valuable. You, you think it's a waste of time. And then God opens your eyes. It's like you're dead like Lazarus and Jesus says, come forth. And the call of Christ creates life. And then you see the the blinders fall off and you see the value of Christ. You see the beauty of Christ. You you begin to understand the Bible. You begin to desire God. You begin to find Him more valuable and desirable than all of your sin and, and all of your valuables. And Christ becomes all to you. That's what it means to be converted. That That's what it means to be born again. But the kingdom is hidden to many. And they just go throughout life. And they, they keep finding sex more valuable. They, they keep finding naked bodies more valuable. They, they keep finding sports more valuable. 
They, they keep finding money more valuable. They, they, they keep finding their families and their jobs and, and their, their dreams and aspirations more valuable. And then they die and go to hell forever. And friend, all those things aren't bad. Sex is great. God made it. God created it to be enjoyed between one man and one woman in marriage only. Right? Sports is not bad, but people idolize it. People have more joy and excitement in, in, in their sports teams than they do Jesus. That's a problem. That's a problem. And God has to do this in our hearts. You must be born again, Jesus, to get this. And so if you're here this morning and, you, and this is just so foreign to you, and you're like, yeah, I do find these other things more exciting and more valuable, and these other things in life bring me more happiness than God and His Word and following Him. Then pray. Pray this morning, God, please show me your beauty. Open my heart, open my eyes to see that your beauty and your glory and your, your value and that, that you're the treasure, that your kingdom is the treasure, that your Word is the treasure, that your Spirit is the treasure. Please, God, do something in my heart and save me and cause me to be born again. And then, and then for myself and, and other believers, friends, we have to keep fighting this battle, right? Because it is a daily battle to see this treasure for what it is. It is for me. It is for you. It, it, it's a battle for all of us to fight, to see Christ as He truly is and to value Him as we should and to delight in Him as we should because I find my heart wondering all the time. Is, is that, is that uh, we, we sang the tune, Come Thou Fount, but isn't there a line in Come Thou Fount about bind my wandering heart to Thee? It's in some hymn. But we, we have wandering hearts. We as Christians are honest about that. We, we don't feel wedding-like joy in God all the time. Is He not worthy of that? <laughs> Even when you lose everything like Job... Oh, help me, Father. I mean, help us, Father. I feel so far from that, God. Sometimes I feel so far, Jesus, from your words. Hate father and mother, wife and children, even your own life, for you can't be my disciple. Father, help us hate those things which we most love compared to our love for you. Give us this, God. Give us this love and delight and joy in you, oh God. For Jesus' sake, we as believers have to fight for that. And, and you're here today. Praise God. That's one way that we fight. Uh, we're here under the preaching of the Word. We, we read our Bibles. We, we pray. We, we give ourselves to the means of grace that we might fight for joy and be willing to sell everything to follow Him. So Ligon Duggan says, first of all, the treasure is hidden. It is not openly displayed for all. Not all see the value of the treasure. Secondly, notice that the treasure is found unexpectedly. This man was not in the field digging for treasure. He was digging for something else. Perhaps he was plowing his field and he stumbles upon this treasure. So he wasn't even looking for it when he found it. Now, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to the parable of the, the pearl of great price because he was looking for the pearl. And that's one of the contrasts commentators see uh, of this parable and the pearl of great price is th this man wasn't apparently even looking for it. Think, think about the people in the Bible who sometimes God just showed up in their lives. I mean, think about the Apostle Paul, right? 
before he was the Apostle Paul, I mean, he wasn't looking for Jesus. He was looking to persecute Jesus. He, he was looking to, to put uh, followers of Jesus in prison and standing by when, when their followers were stoned to death, Stephen. He wasn't looking. And Jesus just shows up. I wonder how many of you got saved that way. You weren't looking. You were in your sin. You were, you were dead in sin. And God just shows up. I mean, what, what about John Harper's last convert? Was he looking? I mean, he's in the North Atlantic, freezing to death. And God puts a man beside him that tells him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Some of y'all were saved that way. You weren't looking. And there is a sense in which we're never looking. There is a sense in which we're never looking. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who seeks for God. And God, in His mercy and His grace, He shows up and changes your life forever and puts you on a different trajectory for all eternity. And then, lastly, finally, Dr. Duncan notices the treasure is worth everything. This treasure is worth everything. And I have 20 more points defending this treasure being worth everything and, and worthy for you to go sell everything for enjoy to get, to receive. And we're not going to finish all 20. So there's going to be a part two. But we'll start. And, and if you're a note taker, the first phrase of these sentences are all the same. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure that brings greatest joy and is worth sacrificing everything to receive because. And then there are 20 of those. Because why? Well, I have 20 reasons. And the first 15 or so, I've just looked at the scripture when it talks about the kingdom and then I added five other ones that I think are relevant. I mean, you could add probably infinity of these, of why the kingdom is the greatest joy and worth sacrificing everything to get. So, so number one, the kingdom of heaven is a treasure that brings greatest joy and is worth sacrificing everything to receive because it is a kingdom that will never end. It is a kingdom that will never end. Remember Gabriel's words to Mary when he appeared to her and told her that she would bear the Christ child in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign. There's kingdom language. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. And He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of His kingdom there will be no end. This kingdom will never end. Friends, beloved, kingdoms on earth end. How long has America been around? God doesn't guarantee America to last. This republic could end. God's kingdom will never end. God's kingdom. Kingdoms come and go. The Roman Empire comes and goes. America can come and go. God's kingdom is forever. 
Hebrews 1.8, I love this, but of the Son, He, God the Father, says, Your throne, O God. You need a, a verse that shows Jesus is God? How about one where God calls Jesus God? <laughs> well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, number one, yes, He did. And number two, God says He's God. <laughs> Hebrews 1.8, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Revelation 11.15, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. So why? Why would you sell everything from your joy to receive this kingdom? Because it will never end. Point number two. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure that brings greatest joy and is worth sacrificing everything to receive because the least in this kingdom is greater than the greatest man ever born at the time of Jesus' first coming. We've talked about this as we've gone through Matthew's gospel. I'll read it from Luke 7.28. I tell you, Jesus said, among those born of women, none is greater than John. He's referring to John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Do you remember why John the Baptist was the greatest man born of women? I mean, that's an amazing statement. That, that, that saying, John is greater than Moses, greater than Abraham, greater than David, greater than Joseph, greater than Noah greater than Adam, greater than everybody up to that point, John the Baptist. Why? Remember, it all has to do with proximity, closeness to Jesus Christ. John was the one who saw, actually saw the coming that all these men prophesied about and was able to see him and say, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. That made John the greatest man born of women up until that point. And yet... He who is least in the kingdom is even greater than John. Because you, beloved, have seen the death of Jesus. You have seen the resurrection of Jesus. You you have seen the, the, the ascension of Jesus and the pouring out of the Spirit. And you've received that. And so you're greater than John, even if you're the least in the kingdom. And so sacrificing everything in your joy. It's worth it to be in this kingdom. Number three, the kingdom of heaven is a treasure that brings greater joy and is worth sacrificing everything to receive because it is our Father's kingdom. It is our Father's kingdom. Luke eleven two. we prayed this this morning, and He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure that brings greatest joy and is worth sacrificing everything to receive because it is our Father's kingdom. Again, this this points back to the privilege, the honor, the, the delight of the fact that we are God's children in Christ Jesus. 
Not everybody is born a child of God. Now, there is a sense Acts uses that language. Uh, we are his offspring in the sense that he created us. He created everyone. But, but to, to be his, his son or daughter redemptively, uh, John 1, 13, John 1, uh, 13, I'll just read it to you. Uh, but to all who, 12, uh, a certain 12, but to all who did receive him, to all who received Jesus. That's why I don't like Reformed folks who make fun of asking Jesus into your heart. Because the Bible says you better receive him. And Paul prays that he would dwell in your heart. Don't, I, don't make fun of that. <laughs> but to all who did receive him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You must receive Him. You must receive Christ. You must receive Him. And you do that by repenting of your sins and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and He gives you the right to be called children of God. And you're not born of of of. Of, of, of blood. It, children, you, you, you won't be born into this because your parents were. Right? You, you, you're, you're, not, uh, you're not a Christian because your parents are Christians. You, you have to be born again into this. It, it's not of blood. It, 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 it's not, uh, not of, of, of the will of the flesh. It's not because of your free will to choose, the will of your flesh. It's not of the will of man. It's not because you exercised your free will to believe. It's because you were born of God. God changed your will. God gave you a new heart. God gave you faith. God gave you repentance. God gave you spiritual life and drew you to Himself that you might be a child of God. And, and that's an amazing privilege. And, and we've spoken about this recently. You, you're adopted by God, adopted into His family, and you're born into His family. You're, you're His by, by supernatural birth and by adoption. You're a child of God. He's your Father. And your Father owns the kingdom. What, what joy that should give us. That, that, that it's our Father's kingdom. 1 John 3, 1. See, behold, what manner of love the Father has given to, uh, unto us that we should be called the, the children of God. And so we are. Friend, beloved, do you live your Christian life from the fatherhood of God and not to earn it? He's your Father. He loves you. He will always do what's best for you. He will always give you what's best. He will always withhold what is not good for you. He's the Father of, of the kingdom. He's the King. He's all-powerful. And He'll always do what's best for you. For that reason, the kingdom of heaven is treasure that brings greatest joy and is worth sacrificing everything to receive. Number four, the kingdom of heaven is a treasure that brings greatest joy and is worth sacrificing everything to receive because if you seek first this kingdom, everything else will be added to you. This kingdom is worth sacrificing everything to get joyfully because everything else, remember this, the hundred trillion and everything you own, you'll get back better. And, and all the keepsakes you'll get back and enjoy them more. All things will be added to you if you seek first this kingdom. 
I could go to Matthew, but I'm staying in Luke here, Luke 12, 22-34. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Is anyone anxious here today? Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? Be encouraged by that. Jesus is kindly and calmly bearing with His disciples who have little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father, your Father, your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom. And these things will be added to you. I mean, you could hear Matthew saying this. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you. Seek the kingdom first like treasure hidden in a field and all these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So one, one of Jesus' applications there is, 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 is don't worry. Trust me, it's your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. If you, if you have this kingdom, all things will be added. All these things you're worried about, all these things you're restless about, God will give it to you and better. Seek first His kingdom. All the things you're worried about, I, I, I saw this, this, this athlete, she's an Olympic athlete, and she turned 40 this week, and she's so desperate to get married and have children, and she's scared she never will, and so she's having IVF done and freezing her, her eggs because she's so desperate to have children, and, and it just seems like this is everything. If she doesn't get this, she'll lose everything. And you, you just want to encourage her and maybe encourage you and, and encourage me when I have thoughts like that about missing out in life on something. Seek first His kingdom. Seek first His kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. All these things. Whatever you desire, God will give you that or something better in the age to come and satisfy your everlasting longings. And Jesus says, sell. 
Sell what you have and give to the poor. Help those in need. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. May our treasure be with the kingdom. May our treasure be with Christ. We'll do one more today. Number five. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure that brings greatest joy and is worth sacrificing everything to receive because you will receive great reward in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure that brings greatest joy and is worth sacrificing everything to receive because you will receive great reward in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. Luke 18, 18 through 30 is, is where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And, and this man is a beautiful example of, 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 of not living according to this parable. The rich young ruler. Many of you are familiar with the rich young ruler. And he had great riches. And Jesus was calling him to let go of those riches and take Christ. And he wouldn't do it. Because he was blind. He, he, he didn't see, right? He's one of those who the treasure was hidden from. He didn't see it. He, he thought his great wealth was better than Christ. He loved his money more than Christ. Luke 18, 18 through 30, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question, right? I wonder how you would answer that. If someone came to you and, and said, Steve, Phyllis, Rob, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, a lot of evangelicals would say, pray this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Please forgive me and come into my heart. Amen. And they would repeat that prayer and then say, you're saved now. You're saved now. Hallelujah. Friend, you need to be discerning enough to know that that kind of evangelism makes people twice the son of hell than they were when they first came. Because what that kind of evangelism does is it, 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 it can assure people of heaven when they're still on their way to hell. So that they leave having a little religious experience and having a pastor or someone religious telling them they're going to go to heaven now. But they keep going on and sleeping with their girlfriend, boyfriend. They keep doing their drugging. They keep doing whatever. They keep treasuring everything else in the world except Jesus first. But they think they're saved now. So Jesus gives us a good model here of how to do evangelism. And guess what Jesus does? He, he, he seeks to show this man his sin. Oh, no. You're going to show them their sin and make them feel bad about themselves. Friends, that's what Jesus does. <laughs> Go get your husband to the woman at the well. Well, he's not my husband. I know he's not your husband. The last five men you've been with ain't your husband. That's Jesus. Jesus is not afraid to point out sin and then offer himself as the great forgiver of all sin and the greatest treasure and the greatest husband you could ever have. So we preach sin and we preach hell and we preach Christ and we preach glory. Let's do it like Jesus. 
Look what Jesus does. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus goes right to the holiness of God. God is good. You, you, do you, are, you, are you calling me God? Do you, do you, do you, do you realize? Yeah, I, what, what are you saying, buddy? Because only God is good. Do you realize who I am? This guy doesn't get the goodness of God. You see, he doesn't get the holiness of God. This guy thinks he's really good. You're going to see that. He thinks he's kept the commandments. And so Jesus first challenges him on his idea of what is good and who is good. And then Jesus says, you know the commandments. You know the commandments. So Jesus got this before Ray Comfort. <laughs> the way of the master, they always bring up the Ten Commandments. That's a great way to do evangelism. Ray Comfort got it from Jesus. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. Now, right there, you know this guy doesn't get it. Now, there is a sense in which he may be a squeaky clean outward person. Maybe he never has committed adultery with his wife. But he has, has he ever looked with lust? Right? Did he hear Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? He's never murdered, but he, did he ever lose his temper with his mom when she told him to go clean his room? You see, Jesus said anger is, is like murder. And lust is adultery in the heart. So this guy, this guy, and the reason I know he hasn't kept the commandments is because his God is money. And so he loves money more than God. Because God's standing there talking to him and he's not going to receive God. But he says, all these I've kept from my youth. He's a very self-righteous person. I've done all that, Jesus. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. And so see, Jesus knows this man's heart. And he's going to go straight to this man's idol. Straight to this man's treasure. One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus is calling him to do what he's teaching us in this parable. The treasure is standing there right before him. And he's saying, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and take me. As your treasure. But this man's blind. This man's blind. Uh, verse, verse 23 says, but, but when he heard these things, he became very sad. You see, very sad. Not in his joy. Because, right, if he was born again, in his joy he would go do that, sell everything. Yes, I want you, Jesus. I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. I want you more than anything. In his joy he would sell everything. But he became sad because he loved his riches. He was extremely rich, the text tells us. And so he didn't follow Jesus. Jesus, looking at him with sadness, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It's difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. So, so Jesus is talking about entering the kingdom. It's hard for a rich person. 
And by the way, that's everybody here. If you're in America, you're rich compared to the rest of the world. (laughs) We are filthy, stinking rich in America. I mean, the homeless man that eat out of garbage cans in America eat better than places in the world. We throw away more food. So so I'm talking to all of us. We're all rich. It's hard. It's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom. It's impossible with man. But it's possible with God. And and, and the disciples heard this. They said, who can be saved? And, And that's when Jesus said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. It's impossible. It's impossible for rich people to be saved. It's impossible for anybody to be saved. But with God, all things are possible. Only God can open your eyes to see the treasure. And Peter said in verse 28, see, we have left our homes and followed you. So, so Peter says, look, Lord, we've made sacrifices. We, we've left our home to follow you. Look what we've done. And he said to them, Jesus responds to Peter, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. There's the point of this point. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure that brings greatest joy and is worth sacrificing everything to receive because you will receive greater reward in this life and in the life to come eternal life. Did you you hear Jesus' response to Peter? Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers, or parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time, in this life, and in the age to come, eternal life. God will repay you. He will repay you for your sacrifices in this life and the life to come. Many, many understand this passage to, to be very applicable to our Muslim friends who become Christian. When they become Christian, sometimes their father tries to stone them to death because it is an abomination for them to convert from Islam to Christianity. And so parents and brothers try to kill them because they follow Jesus. And so they lose their family. They sometimes lose their wife. They lose their children. They're outcast. But what do they get in this world? They get the family of God. They get new children. They get new mothers and fathers. They get new parents in the church. In this life and in the life to come, they're saved. They get heaven. They get glory. And so having this kingdom is worth selling everything for and sacrificing everything for in joy to receive it. And I I just want to give a preview of the next one. Number six is to get Jesus. To get Jesus. To sell everything and sacrifice everything with joy. To have this kingdom is worth it because in this kingdom we get Christ, the treasure, who died for our sins and rose from the dead. Friend, I'm going to ask this question next week as well, but I just want to end and ask you this. 
What do you need to sacrifice or get rid of and leave behind to gain Christ? Maybe you're an unbeliever and there's something keeping you from coming to Jesus because you know you'll have to give it up to follow Jesus. I've had talks with people about that concerning their, their, their sexual life. Yes, to follow Jesus means you will not have a sexual relationship until marriage. That's what it means to follow Jesus. But they love their sex more than Jesus. Yes, to, to follow Jesus means you have to quit that job. Yes, to follow Jesus means if you're in that job and they say you have to fly a certain flag might mean you need to get fired because you're going to follow Jesus. There's a soccer player, a very good soccer player in North Carolina, and she didn't get picked for a World Cup team and, and she couldn't play in, in a game last Friday night because she wouldn't wear a pride jersey in, in, in taking pride in behavior that God says is an abomination. But you see, she's counted the cost. And to have Jesus is, 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 is worth it, even if she never is in a World Cup game or she gets fired from the soccer team. Because Jesus is better than soccer. Jesus is better than a gold medal. <laughs> so what do you need to sacrifice? It could be as an unbeliever. It could be as a believer. There, there are weights in your life, sins in your life that are holding you back from truly enjoying Christ to the fullest. Bad habits, sinful habits, thought patterns, people maybe in your life that drag you down and lead you into sin. Beloved, pray about that this week. Is Lord, is there anything I need to give up that you want me to give up and sacrifice with joy? to have the more fullness of, of Christ and His kingdom. Pray about that as we come to part two next week. Christ Jesus is the treasure great. We will sell all and all else hate compared to Him whose joy innate. To live is Christ, for He'll elate. To die is gain, for He's the gate. To greatest joys we await. He died and rose, there's no debate, a whole new people to create who find in Him our all and wait. On Him, His Word, He cuts it straight. He shall forever fascinate. In Him, all pleasures culminate. He is the kingdom's treasure weight. So trust the Son and contemplate His boundless beauty. Celebrate. Father, we pray that these words would be true of us. Father, I I write these words, and yet, Lord, I confess, so often my heart feels so far from them and their reality. And so, God, we pray that we would not only write these words, speak these words, hear these words, but, Jesus, that you would be our treasure, that we would know and see that all pleasure culminate in you, that we would trust in you and, and contemplate your boundless beauty. Give us eyes to see, Lord Jesus, you're more beautiful than anything in this world. And move our hearts to celebrate you and your kingdom. God, answer our prayer. Show us if there are things in our lives we need to give up, that we need to flee from, that we need to sacrifice in joy, with joy, from our joy, to know you more deeply. 
God, to trust you more faithfully, to live for you and enjoy you more fully. And Father, if there's anyone here today that is like that rich young ruler that's still clinging to other treasures instead of Christ, we pray, oh God, today, Lord, today you would open their eyes. Today you would, you would, you would peel their fingers and arms off that worldly treasure and, and cause them to clamp to Jesus and never let go. And we praise you, Jesus, that you will hold us fast. Lord, all we have is Christ. All we have is Christ. Write it upon our hearts and minds and lives, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.